We're now going to read this morning from Acts chapter 2, from verse 42. I think the words will be on the screen, or if you want to turn in your Bibles, it's chapter 40, or it's chapter 2, verse 42. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Thank you, Caroline, for helping lead us this morning in worship. Um, really appreciate it. And we're going to share in the Lord's Supper in a few moments' time um, as a church family. Um, but I want to think again about those words that Caroline read just a moment ago um, from Acts chapter 2. Um, I'm not sure if you're overly aware of the wording within our all-in vision uh, strategy document, but it states this within that our desire is to go deeper, and we desire to see everyone go deeper, grow deeper in their faith, push beyond the surface, and put down deep roots as disciples. We want to help people develop strong foundations that will lead to greater depth in their understanding, commitment, and passion. Rather than merely being a church with a thousand members, we long to be a church with a thousand disciples. That's what our desire is. That's what our vision is. It's the kind of church that we want to be here in Carmoney. We want to see Colossians 2, 6 to 7. We want to see a depth, like we see in Colossians 2, worked out among us, where it says this in Colossians 2, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, um, as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the kind of life we want to have here in the life of this church. We want to be a people with really strong foundations of faith. We want to have deep roots in Christ Jesus. We want to have greater depth in all that we do. We don't want to be a church who just, uh, just settle for the shallow waters. Uh, we want to go deeper with God. And so we're into the second week of our vision series, looking at this desire to go deeper as a church family. And our base text is Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. <clears throat> Those words that tell us about the early church these early believers and how they lived out their faith in those days whenever the winds of Pentecost were probably still very much blowing around them in those days. The Holy Spirit was at work in a powerful way among this early group of Christian believers. We said last week that they were not perfect, far from it, but they did prioritize and emphasize what seems to be the most important things in the life of any local church. And we're trying to unpack that over these few weeks. They, they set about by building strong foundations of faith. We can see that they were putting down deep roots as followers of Jesus. 
And their going deeper consisted of a number of things, but this morning I want to think and highlight just two things from these verses for us. These two things that are on the screen, they were going deeper by devotion and then deeper through communion. Deeper by devotion and deeper through communion. Deeper by devotion. These believers were devoted They were a devoted group of people. They devoted themselves. We read in verse 42. Um, It's a really interesting word because it's a translation or a combination of two words. The word that translates devoted themselves. Um, And it means all of the following. It means that they were adhering constantly to something. It means they were steadfastly attentive. They were giving unrelenting care to something. They were continuing all the time in something. They were persevering and not growing faint. And they were in constant readiness. What a description of devotion. They were constantly ready. They were continuing all the time in something. They were adhering constantly to something. They were giving all of their attention attention in an unrelenting fashion towards something. So what were they devoted to? What were they giving themselves in this way to? Well, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And they were devoted to prayer. In other words, they were constantly adhering to those things, to those four things. They were steadfastly attentive. They were unrelenting in their attention to those four things. They were continuing all the time in those four things. They were persevering and not growing faint in those four things. They were in constant readiness for those four things. They were constantly ready for the apostles' teaching. There's nothing better than when a group of people come ready to hear the word of God opened up. They were constantly ready. They were attentive all the time to hear the apostles' teaching of the word of God. The apostles' teaching would have included Jesus' own teaching. Um, And and I reckon too, the apostles probably told stories about Jesus. Like, do you remember the time he did this? And they opened that up and they taught those who were around them about who Jesus was and, and what Jesus did and how incredible his life and his death and his resurrection was and what it means for them to live in light of all of that. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship, to the koinonia is the Greek word, the the fellowship of believers, the participation of life together. They were living towards a common goal. They were living in in care, in great love and great compassion for one another and with great purpose. They were living in fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. Then they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Well done, you're here this morning. You're devoted to the breaking of bread. It was most likely in those days like a communal meal that they gathered around and then that meal became a celebration or a sharing in the Lord's Supper where they remembered Jesus, his body broken for them, his blood shed for them. They were devoted to this. And they were devoted to prayer. Prayer was the lifeblood of the early church. The air that they breathed was prayer. The air was thick with prayer in the early church. Of course, they would be going deeper in their faith, in their life as a church. How could they not go deeper with a commitment and a devotion like this? 
How could they not go deeper when they were absolutely devoted, giving all of their attention and their readiness to those things within the life of their church, to the word, to the fellowship of believers, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? They were going deeper. Devotion leads to depth. If you're taking notes, write that down. Devotion leads to depth. They were devoted. This place, this church last week was literally buzzing with the sound of prayer. Not with activity. We paused in all of that. Again, thank you for pausing. Thank you. I know it was against your kind of, you know, urge to get going and get stuck back in to all of your activities and all organizations and all of that. But this place last week wasn't buzzing with activity. It was buzzing with the sound of prayer. If you were here at all last week, the place was just full of groups of people meeting in different rooms all at the same time every day of the week to pray. The buzz was incredible. This church became a hub of prayer. Different teams, different ministry areas met in every space within these premises to pray. You have been prayed over. This church family has been prayed over. Every room in this church has been prayed over. I couldn't make um, the elders' prayer gathering and apparently the elders went around and they prayed through and over every room, every space for what was going to be happening in those rooms and in those spaces. You're prayed for. What a way to begin a new term. What a way to begin a new term. And if we can devote ourselves to prayer in this incoming year, how incredible that would be, that will be. And so our prayerful desire as a leadership within this church is to see everyone go deeper in their faith, pushing beyond the surface, putting down deep roots as followers of Jesus. We want to help you. We want to help people develop strong foundations that will lead to greater depth, greater devotion, greater understanding of Jesus is, greater commitment to the cause of Christ and, and a greater passion for his name and for his fame in this world. We will see this happen. We will if we go deeper in our devotion. If we go deeper into these four things in this incoming year, devotion leads to depth. Devotion leads to depth. I wonder this incoming year as we look ahead, as we look ahead, are we going to devote ourselves Devote this year uh, to the teaching of the word of God. Please keep coming. Keep coming hungry for the bread of life. Let's devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word, the preaching of God's word. Let's devote ourselves to the fellowship, to one another, to each other in love and in care and in commitment, in prayer to one another. If you're not in a discipleship community, that is a great space and place for you to be journeying with other people in the life of this church, to be in proper fellowship with one another. Let's keep devoting ourselves to the breaking of the bread, remembering what Jesus has done for us and to prayer. Let's never stop being a praying people. We go deeper by devotion. And maybe a really good question at the beginning of a new term is just, you know, Lord, what's the next step for me this year in going deeper in my devotion to you? and to the life of this church that you've called me into? What's the next step? What's the next movement 
into greater depth? Ask yourself that question. So we go deeper by devotion. The second thing we see in the life of the early church in these, uh, in these verses is that we can go deeper through communion. We go deeper through communion. One of my favorite uh, theologians, Dr. Sam Storms, writes about the important distinction between what he calls our eternal union in Jesus Christ and the experiential communion that we have with him on a daily basis. And this is really important. Our eternal union with Jesus is that reality that we are born again. Praise God. If you're in Jesus, you are born again, spiritually reborn, born of the spirit, washed by his blood, you have been reborn into the family of God. You are a Christian. You're a believer. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're born again of the Holy Spirit, then you are in Christ eternally. And nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You are in eternal union with him. Isn't that wonderful? Union with Jesus means, and I don't believe that we can be genuinely saved and then somehow fall away and become, uh, no longer become his. I believe that if we, are, if we are, and I'm trying to use careful words here, if we are genuinely born again of the Spirit of God, gen genuinely in Christ, saved by his blood, we will be in an eternal union with him. Eternal union with him. Storms writes this. He says, once we are in Jesus by faith, listen to this, once we're in him by faith, we are in an eternal bond. We're in union. We're in a covenant relationship that cannot be broken, cannot be undermined, cannot be shattered, even in the midst of our sin. That's really good news for sufferers and sinners like you and me. I say this all the time, but it would be good if your face showed how good that news is. <laughs> Isn't that really good news? We're in eternal union with Jesus. Nothing can break that. Not even our own ridiculous sinfulness. You know how stupid we can be? It's not just me, sure it's not. We do stupid things, sinful things. We, you know, we think wrong thoughts. We our actions sometimes are just ridiculously sinful. Sometimes we feel the Lord and, and we're like, why have I done it again, Lord? You know, why, God? Our union with Christ means that we're eternally in him. We come to him and we repent and we confess. Our wayward hearts, we say, sorry, Lord. Thank you for my eternal union in you. Thank you that nothing can pluck me from your hand. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move away from that sinful habit. I'm going to worship you, Jesus, for all of my days. Good news for sinners and sufferers like you and me. But on the other hand, on the other hand, we have what, what Storms refers to as experiential communion with Jesus. This is wonderful. We have our union with him in one hand and we have our communion with him in the other if our union with Jesus when we are in him is eternal, it cannot be broken, we cannot be out of Christ when we're in Christ, then our experiential communion with him is something slightly different. If eternal union is constant and unchanging, 
our experiential communion with Jesus is our, our day in, day out, ongoing walk with him. It refers to, you know, how close we are to Jesus. How passionate our heart is for him. Let's be really honest. And don't you bluff me this morning. Let's be really honest. That part of us wavers sometimes. As we walk with Jesus, doesn't it? That part, we mean we, we waver. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Our experiential communion with him, the closeness of our walk can waver a little bit. Sometimes we feel closer to him at some times than we do at other times. Sometimes it changes. We can be a little bit up and down as followers of Jesus. Again, you know what? It's part of our humanity. It's part of what it means to struggle as a human being. Our experiential communion with Jesus relates to how close we feel to him. It relates to our capacity, the capacity of our hearts to sense his love for us to feel and experience the joy of knowing him. It relates to our capacity to enjoy his presence, to hear his voice, to enjoy the blessing of what it means to be his adopted, beloved sons and daughters. How is your experiential communion with Jesus? How close do you feel to him? How much are you experiencing the goodness of his presence? How much is your heart warmed by the beauty of his love, his unrelenting love for you? How is your experiential communion with Jesus? Ignition Week, um, so Ignition Week ended with a 24-hour day of prayer yesterday. Um, I don't know who always booked in for an hour of prayer. I booked in um, for an hour of prayer 4 to 5 p.m. yesterday afternoon. I, I'm going to be honest, I needed it. I had a really mental Saturday, and I'll not go into the details of that, but I was a little bit stressed, a little bit overexcited, and had a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, I got into the prayer room all over the place, mind and heart everywhere, and I met with Jesus always happens when we draw near to God. He draws near to us. It's beautiful. It's a promise of his word. God spoke to me in that prayer room. If you come tonight, you're going to hear a little bit about that. That was supposed to be an exciting thing. I was thinking that that's a, you, that was a wee like plug for tonight. If you come, you'll hear, you'll hear what the Lord said to me in the prayer room. What more could you want? I was so excited. I'm going to be honest. I wept. I just wept. The beauty of the Lord's presence. Experiential communion with him. Okay, where am I in my notes? I believe this is for someone this morning. As I was preaching this, or preaching, preparing this week, the Spirit of God interrupted me big time. And I think this is for someone on the fringes of church. If that's you, listen up. John chapter 6, 35 to 37. Jesus declares this. Now listen. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. Is that anybody? You've seen me, you've heard about me and still you do not believe. 
All those the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, listen, I will never drive away. I believe that is somebody listening right now. Eternal union with Jesus, you know you're not in him. Experiential communion with him, you know you don't have that. You're somewhere on the fringes of this church family and on the fringes of faith. You need to put your trust in Jesus today. He's speaking to you as the bread of life. Come, come to him. He says, you've heard about me, still you don't believe. Today is the moment. I really believe that that is for someone. If not, a few people may be listening in online. Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never drive away. You come to Jesus. You put your faith and trust in him. You will never be driven away from him. You will be in him and with him forever. It's the wonderful good news of the gospel. If that's you, think about that. Come and have prayer ministry this morning. Please come and let somebody pray with you. These early believers, they anchored their hearts. They were in deep eternal communion to Jesus and they were experiencing communion with him every day that they existed. They set the course of their faith to go deeper. And for us, this is how we can go deeper into what God has for us by acknowledging that we're in eternal union with him, that we can have this experiential communion with the God of this whole universe. We need to understand both. And then we read in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's the Lord's Supper. They gathered like this around the table. Communion. One of the most mysterious yet beautiful gifts that Jesus has given us. When we all sit around the Lord's table, we're reminded of both of these things, aren't we? That we're in eternal union with Jesus and that we can have experiential communion with him. One old Dutch theologian put it this way. He said, this union and communion are presented most beautifully in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. This is where all church activities by office bearers and church members find their origin and where they are purified and renewed. I think that's really good. When we come to the Lord's table, we come back to the heart of it all, the heart of our union in Christ and our communion with him. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17, Paul writes this. He says, is not the cup of thanksgiving which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Jesus? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? I've underlined that word participation because it's that same thing. It's that koinonia. It's that fellowship with Jesus. It's that participation in his life. It's communion with him. Paul goes on, he says something frightening in those verses. He says that pagans who offer sacrifices to demons are also in communion. They're also in communion with, with demons. They're in fellowship with the devil. I mean, that's frightening that you can be in fellowship one way or the other. We're here because we want to participate in the beauty and life-giving presence of King Jesus. When we gather 
around the Lord's table, something profoundly spiritual happens. We participate with God. We participate in the life of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're being drawn closer in these moments. We go deeper into his presence in these moments. And so we're gonna come to the Lord's table in a moment or two. Maybe you've ignored God all week. Maybe you've had one of those weeks you feel far from him. Maybe you haven't communed with Jesus at all. Well, now is your time. Now is your time to come to him. I'm gonna read these words of institution in a moment or two. But as we come, we come to participate in the life of Jesus, to commune with him, to fellowship with him. We come to thank him that we're in eternal union with him. Nothing can separate us from his love. And we come to experience fellowship, love, communion with Jesus. So we're gonna do that in a moment or two. Let me invite our worship team forward. They're gonna come and, and just help lead us in a few moments' time. But Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm gonna pray in a moment or two. Paul writes, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In a, moment or team, uh, in a moment or two, as the worship team play, some of our elders are going to distribute the bread and wine. And it's their joy to do that this morning. And when you receive the elements, just hold on to them for a few moments. Place the little cup in the holder in the pew in front of you if you want. That's not just a, a little hole that your finger's stuck in. That's, that's for your communion cup. Hold on to your bread as well. And then... We'll, we'll eat and we'll drink together as a church family in a few moments' time. Just a reminder that communion uh, tokens can be dropped into the plates as you leave out those doors or there are plates going up into our, our church cafe space as well. Um, Gluten-free bread is available in the vestibule if you haven't got hold of that yet and you need that. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're with us. Pray that God is speaking to you. But as the elements come round, and if you're not ready to take and participate in that, let them pass you by. But I want you to think about why. Why? Why are you letting Jesus pass you by again? He wants you to come into union with him and to experience a beautiful communion with him. Consider Jesus today. I'm gonna pray. Uh, and then the elders are going to distribute um, the bread and the wine. Let's, let's bow before the Lord. Let's pray together. And let's just pause and let's center our hearts again on this wonderful experiential communion that we get to enjoy with Jesus in these moments. Father, we thank you for your great love for us demonstrated by sending your son Jesus to die while we were yet sinners. 
And so, Heavenly Father, as we come before you in these moments, we confess our wayward hearts. We confess our sinful ways before you right now. Lord, we bring our heart to you. Grant us mercy and, and grace once again. God, we're so humbled in your presence. Your presence is here. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can experience deep and total forgiveness, new life and eternal hope in him. We thank you for our union with Christ, that we're in an eternal bond. We're in a covenant relationship with him that cannot be broken, cannot be undermined, cannot be shattered even in the midst of our sinfulness. So with hearts as one, we say, thank you, Jesus. And we thank you that because of Jesus, we can commune with you, God. We can participate in your life. We can have fellowship with you, friendship with you. We can know you, we can draw near to you. And we thank you that we can never be turned away from you because of what Jesus has made possible for us. And so we enter into life and into the beauty of your presence. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can draw near to our heavenly Father with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that our faith brings, that having had our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having had our bodies washed with pure water, we can stand before you as those who are redeemed. And so this is our confidence. This is our assurance. As we receive bread and wine, may they enable us, may these sacred holy moments enable us to have deep communion with Jesus and with one another. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.